You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Ryan Foland. And Ryan is a global keynote speaker and managing partner of Influence Tree. Ryan helps executives harness the power of vulnerability and authenticity to build a better, more relatable, and more profitable personal brand. His book, Ditch the Act, Leverage the Surprising Power of the Real You for Greater Success, will be published in October 2019 by the publisher McGraw-Hill. And I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Ryan. Ahoy, it's great to be here. Yeah, it's been a while since we've chatted. We've known each other for a couple of years. I appreciate you coming on today. And today we're going to talk about turning your employees into influencers to help you grow your business. Now, before we dive into that, okay, because that's a really interesting topic. It's not like anything we've ever talked about before. So I'm excited to kind of chat with you about this. And I think the audience will be too. Before we do that, give us a quick backstory. Tell us a little bit about how you got here, a little bit about Influence Tree, and then we'll dig right in. Sure. Well, Influence Tree is a company that we created as a way to help people grow their influence. And what I've found personally is that I made lots of mistakes in my life. And the one that I wish I would not have made is choosing to wait so long before really focusing on building my personal brand. It is the situation where the sooner you get involved with it, the sooner you see the fruits bearing from that tree. And I was at a point working at a university and I was running the undergraduate entrepreneurship center. We were just rock and rolling. And I feel like the rock and rolling was was really shaking some some fundamental systems that the school had traditionally set up. And if you know anything about higher education, they're just a bit conservative. And so after about 18 months of running this program, we had considerable amount of success, more recognition than other programs that have been on campus for 10 plus years, mailing lists in the in the tens of thousands. And these are all good things. But at the same time, we we're getting that traction by doing unconventional things like guerrilla tactics and, and marketing and uh, throwing seven foot paper airplanes off the student center and getting in trouble and dressing people up in costumes and hiding them in classrooms in some sort of ghost that looked like a Snapchat ghost, which nobody even knew what it was. And long story short, I kept getting in trouble because I kept asking for forgiveness instead of permission. And at a certain point, I got called into a boss's boss's office and I was convinced that I was getting fired. And if you've ever been fired before, it's kind of a moment where you take a quick lock and stock of everything that's happening. And what I realized quickly was that most of my energy in not only this university setting, but with other startups that I've had, is that we tend to really focus on the work that we're doing for another company or the work that we're doing for our startup. And we really forget to focus on ourselves. 
And so we are great at branding companies. We're great at branding businesses, but not <laughs> branding ourselves. And that was a moment in time where I just went, wow, I have been spending so much time helping to build other brands, not myself. And that was really a moment where I sort of had this realization that I needed to figure this out. And in my quest of figuring this out, I was trying all kinds of things that I thought I was, should have been doing, but none of them translated to actual results. And so I sought out expert help and I made friends with somebody who knew a lot more about it than I did. And then we used myself as a case study essentially and built a company around it to build my brand. And that's now what I help executives do is, is understand that it's never too soon to start to focus on building your brand. And your brand is essentially the combination or the intersection between what you want to be known for and what others already know you for. So it's something that you don't have control of, but you can start to control the narrative. And I argue, Dennis, that every single person has a personal brand. And the people that don't admit it are the ones that are just not controlling the narrative. And so once you take that narrative, once you start to create content around your expertise, you feel like you have control. And essentially, instead of chasing after people, people start to come to you. Yeah, I think everybody has a personal brand. I think it really comes down to, you know, something that I heard, I can't remember who quoted it, but they said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not around. And whether that's your company brand, whether that's your product brand, whether that's your personal brand, I think that holds true, don't you? Yeah, and then Jeff Bezos said that, and that is a famous quote, and it's fun because it is true, and I go one step further and say that your corporate brand is the summation of the personal brands of your employees. And if you think about it, if you're, you know, if you're saying that your brand is what people talk about when you're not there, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner and you have employees, your company brand is what's happening in the conversations between your employees and other people when you are not there. And once you start to understand that and, and help to get involved in that process, the entire world opens up and you can start to turn people who are employees into ambassadors and influencers. And that not only helps with retention, but it helps attracting new talent. It helps with all kinds of growth strategies. Yeah. And that's the reason, that's the topic of our conversation today, which is turning employees into influencers to help you grow your business. So I think we've tied it in there. But before we dig into that, when did you start Influence Tree? That's your primary business, right? Yeah. So we started that at the end of 2015. So we're almost three years into it at this point. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about that, whether it be employees, growth, revenue, something? Give us a sense of scale and size of what you've been able to do over the last three years. Sure. So it's uh, myself and my business partner, Leonard Kim. And to check out the company, you can go to influencetree.com. And our services are primarily on uh, do-it-yourself for those people who can't afford us to do it for them. And then we have corporate workshops where we work with companies to essentially do what we're talking about today, which is help to train and do a cultural shift from the executive team to understand that there is value in investing in not only their personal brands, but the personal brands of their employees. And so we have a whole suite of courses that seem to be popular because people keep buying them. We really haven't done much outbound marketing and we gain most of our most of our customers from people who are reaching out to us. We have inbound leads quite a bit happen on the daily and our biggest lead source is from getting featured in major publications like uh, you know Entrepreneur and Inc and Forbes and Fortune and people find us there. If you search personal branding experts, both Leonard and I come up on the first non-ad article and people literally just sort of seek us out to help them out so that they can be found just like us. So we're we're doing great. We've got companies 
And um, we're working with executives like at Cisco. We've got sort of uh, on the private side, these successful doctors who are amazing at what they do, but nobody knows who they are. And then, you know, we also run boot camps and whatnot for people that know that they want to put the effort in, they just don't know what to do. And I think that working with all these clients, if I could sort of put my finger on the band-aid that they all need, it's that a lot of them are doing the right things. They're just doing them in the wrong order. And this is where one of my favorite things to do is to check in with somebody. I call it checking the charts and see where where are you going? Do you know what you're doing? And this is the genesis of my 313 method, which I speak about all around the world to help people focus in and really clarify their positioning. Because if you can't answer in one sentence each, the problem that you solve, your solution, and your market, then you might not be on the right compass course. And if you've ever driven or navigated by compass, you can be a couple degrees off, just one or two degrees. But you do that for 20, 30 miles or a couple hundred miles, and you end up in a completely different destination. So uh, we have a lot of fun helping people realize that themselves, that who they are as a real person is the most powerful thing they can be, not some idealized version of what they think others want to see. And that's really what our book covers. And it's exciting to to lay and map that out because most people just share the good. But as soon as you start sharing the bad and the ugly in relation to how that has shaped you as a person, that's when people actually connect with you. That's when they, you know, connect with you like on a humanistic level instead of somebody who's just filter focused and putting their best foot forward always. So you read my mind. Actually, there was two questions I was going to ask you. One was, what's the number one strategy you're using today to get new customers? And I think you answered that by saying getting featured in the media and you generate a lot of inbound demand that way. Is that correct? That is correct. Or I'll speak and, uh, you know, people hear me speak and I'll talk about the 313 and how that position helps to get everybody from themselves to their employees in line to become those ambassadors. And then they chase after me and then they find me and then they follow up. But everything is, is really an inbound. We, we don't do much of any outbound marketing, which is a testament to building a personal brand. People start to come towards you. Yeah, it's always nicer to be the hunted versus the hunter, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Although I do like to hunt, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you like to do it when you like to do it, not because you have to do it. Correct. <laughs> right. I know. I agree with you 100%. Perfect. Well, listen, I want to dive in because this is a really interesting topic that you're going to unpack for us. And as I promised at the t- when we started this interview, you're going to talk about how to turn your employees into influencers and ambassadors to help you grow your business. So give us a little bit of insight into that. Help us unpack that. And um, I'm excited to just hear where you're going to take this because I know that there's a lot of small business owners out there that are struggling on what is the right decision. Should they, you know, should they empower their employees to help build personal brands? Should they control all that? What's the pros and cons? So I hope you can unpack that for us. Definitely. I will unpack it all. But first, I'll unpack it with a couple questions. Have you ever quit, been fired, or fired somebody? Yes, no, or or all three? Uh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes to all three. Yeah. And many of your listeners probably have. So I, I remember the first time that I quit. It was a college job. And I literally said, look, it's not the right fit. And I remember the first time that I got fired. And my boss <laughs> looked at me and said, it's not the right fit. And when I became a boss and I had to fire my first employee and many since, I looked at them and said, it's just not the right fit. And that's really the crux of success in business is making sure that you can find, maintain that right fit with your employees. 
And a lot of times companies will turn to professional development to make sure that this happens, right? Because historically you will help your employees in their professional development. You bring in speakers, you do programs, you do, uh, you know, when you go away on a mini vacation or a daycation or a staycation and you do some team building, well, that's great. And it makes sense for the company, right? Because if you help your employees become better employees, then they're going to be better at their jobs. And then that helps the bottom line and the company grow. And that's what makes sense for the executive team, right? Let's continue to do this professional development. But I think that modern day professional development is only half of the answer. And I think that's the starting point of where people have to ask themselves. If you look at the professional development that you're doing, I think you're missing half of what you need to do. And that really roots in where we're at as a nation and as a world when it comes to technology. Just straight up professional development would work great in, I don't know, 1995, when there's really not the internet of sorts. And the reality is that people have more of a chance, more of an opportunity than ever to share their lives on social media. And whether you want to accept it or deny it, it is the reality. Whether it's on Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's some obscure site that you wouldn't even know of, because there's thousands of them. But the problem right now is that if you just have professional development that helps your employees become a better employee, and you don't help them become a better person for who they want to be and for what their ultimate job or what their ultimate career path might be, then when these individuals are sharing updates and what's happening and their thoughts online, they're just not going to include you in that conversation. And that's a huge miss because there's a lot of research right now that shows the reach of the company is completely dwarfed by the reach of the employees. And in fact, there's recent studies that are showing that sharing the same message, like word for word, through employee channels, as opposed to the official brand channels, is something like it outperforms like over 500%. And that's, that's the real crux of what's missing these days is because I can hear some people who are listening right now speaking into their phone or their, or their car radio and they're saying, but why would we invest in the employees and their personal brands when we already have a brand? And the answer is that what investing in your employees' personal brands will do is actually humanize it. And humanizing is very important in today's world because people want to do business with people. And companies know that. And that's why companies hire people <laughs> to be the face of their company because people want to do business with people. And a big, big part of that is that individuals are just sick of corporate messaging. Let me interrupt you really quick because you brought yeah. up a really good point. And I want to, I want to kind of go off on a tangent here because, you know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I know you do a fair amount on LinkedIn too. And just to kind of go down this rabbit hole and prove this point is that whenever content is put out by a brand on LinkedIn or by a company page, you see very, very little engagement, very little. I mean, yes. you know, it's almost like crickets. I mean, there are the few exceptions, don't get me wrong, but as a general rule, it's almost like crickets. And I rarely, if ever, engage with a corporate brand on LinkedIn. But if they enabled their customer service staff or their sales staff or whatever you know their team is, right, that's on LinkedIn, and they shared that same message, it could be extremely powerful. But 
I think it's the fear, like you said, of of giving up some control and why would we invest in their brand and are they, you know, are they being as productive as they could and is it mixing up the messaging that marketing is trying to do? I think a lot of those questions are what holds them back, but I totally agree with you and LinkedIn is a perfect example of it. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And and you can see that across all platforms, not just LinkedIn. I mean, who wants to follow a company on Facebook? You know, it's it, you don't really follow companies on Facebook anymore. You might have, but the reality is that over time, these larger companies, they are seeing a legitimate plateau when it comes to their followers. And that's why they are turning to celebrities. That's why they're turning to influencers. That's why they're trying to tap into a person that has a larger audience that has trust built with these people. Because you know, from being a sales guy, you have to get people to know you, like you, and trust you. And if you think of all the news and all the media over the last 10 years, when we hear about companies, usually it's in some sort of a negative light. The news pops up about fraud or corruption or mishandled you know, uses of funds. And, and I think that in general, we just have this sort of a handout, like with the palm facing forward and fingers up, like, stop, you're a brand. If I want to come talk to you, I'm going to come over there. Yeah, I call, uh, it, the, I call it the Heisman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my hand's out right now. Like, that's, ex- that's exactly what it is. Because if you think about it, social media will only give you so much reach, right? Business development will only move the needle so much. Paid advertisement will only get you in front of the certain amount of people, certain amount of times, but those people still have to click for it to work. And that's why you've seen this influx of influencer marketing and influencers. It's like, it's crazy how much it has exploded recently, but that has its own issues too, because people are getting onto it. They understand that an influencer who drinks Pepsi Cola one day and then, you know, Coca Cola the next day, they're just chasing the dollars. And so you have, these trust issues now with the influencers. And the real influence, if you look at what's happening, is that it's word of mouth, it's family and friends, it's coworkers talking together, it's going, hey, I got a new MacBook Pro and this USB-C is super annoying because of the little dongle. Oh, wait, you should check out this company. They have a dongle that fits flush to the thing. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I love this. I'm going to take this. I'm going to share this with everybody that I know. So if you look at where the market is trending, it's trending towards individuals and their Heisman towards the corporate brands. And it is seen on social, it's seen in the real world. And the trick to getting around this is to consider making your employees the ambassadors, your employees, those influencers. So give us a couple of steps that if someone buys into this and they say, listen, you know what, Ryan, I agree. I think you make a lot of sense. What would be a couple of things that they could do to start moving in that direction to empower their employees? Do you have a little bit of a, some, you know, some tips on how they might be able to start moving in that direction to, to really start leveraging those employees as more brand ambassadors? Absolutely. So I think everything starts with what you think. And there's a lot of people that talk about mindset. I'm not going to get into the mindset sort of like rabbit hole, but I do believe that what you think creates the words that you speak, which then creates your reality. And as an executive, if you're sort of buying into this, the first thing you need to think of is, how can I treat my employees to be more than just a job title? And that's a powerful statement. And, and, I've, and I've asked executives about this concept. And if you look at your employee 
as just their job title, nothing from this point on is going to work. All the advice and these little tricks and these tips and these things, it's just not going to sink in because you have to look at your employees as more than just a job title. And what that is, is that it's them as a person and an employee. And that, the person plus employee, that's what a personal brand is. Because if you think about it, most of our waking hours are spent at work. And if I asked you to think of two of your closest friends and to describe them to me, chances are you're going to think about how what they do with their job ties into how you would describe who they are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you think of, oh, that person, one of the top things you're going to associate with them is what they do for a job, like what they do for a living, like the problem that they're solving in the real world. And I think that employers just tend to look at, you know, human capital as these different pegs into these holes that they have to create an operation. And they're looking at the grander scheme. They're looking at this larger corporation. And this is seen not only in corporate America, but it's seen in higher education and where you have, you know, universities that invest into brands of those faculty, those faculty make these crazy killer research and then they can license it and make millions of dollars. And then they get more acclaim and accreditation, then they get awards and then they get more funding and then they get more donors and everything sort of spins off of that. So at the end of the day, if you're looking at sort of organized systems, you have to look at those individual parts and see that they're worth investing in. And the question to ask yourself, if you said, okay, I want my employee to be more than a job title. I get it, Ryan. The next question to ask yourself is, are you creating an environment where your employees are actually showing up every day being themselves? And that's a huge one because I know people who are miserable when they go to work. People put on a mask. They put on an act. They are different than they are at home, than they are at work because they're just sort of going through and they're plugging in the motions. And they become these pawns in this system. They become pieces on a chessboard where they only are limited with the certain ways that they can move. And if you look at it from a, a larger scale, success of larger companies that can scale and that can really grow, they have to have internal mechanisms so that people can see that they can move up the corporate ladder, right? But the way it's always been done is typically what people are doing it. You have everybody waiting in line for the same ladder. They're trying to show that they're the best at what they do. They're trying to wait for accolades. They're, they're trying to maybe go get an MBA. They're trying to focus on how they can convince somebody to be put up on a pedestal in a company so that they are sort of in line for that ladder. But it doesn't work because everybody is doing that and nobody stands out. So as an employee, you want to be able to come to work and be yourself. And as soon as you are in a cultural environment that allows that, then all of a sudden, like you tap into this, your employees have. And that happens when what they do at work is something that they're comfortable talking about in their personal life. And when you have that blend and that mix and people feel like they can be themselves when they come to work and they don't have to pretend to be what you want them to be, then that's when you actually tap into their spheres of influence and the specific things. What does this look like? When was the last time that you asked an employee to do a guest blog on your LinkedIn? When was the last time that you were reached out to by some sort of conference to have an executive speak, and then you sent one of your middle managers to go and co-present with that person or to go and represent the company? What about talking with employees on how they communicate over dinner with new friends or, or family members about what they do at work? There's crazy stats out there that I think something like I mean, don't quote me on exactly, but about 50% of employees who are polled 
have never had the conversation with their employers in one form or another about what they can and what they can't do on social media. And it sounds like these employers are just fearful of this conversation. I was speaking at a large event and I talked with the, the organizer and they sat me down and we had a couple questions. And he said, Ryan, how do I prevent the shenanigans? I said, shenanigans? <laughs> so I said, okay, would you please define shenanigans for me? And he came up with a whole list of, of things from licking tacos to uh, unprofessional to scantily clad clothing. And I said, so these are your definitions of shenanigans. Have you ever had a conversation with your employees about what these shenanigans are or would look like? It's like stone face. No. So like you have executives who on one hand are fearful of what their employees will share. But on the other hand, they're not having candid conversations or structured trainings about what they can share in a way to create a dual halo. Now, you may have heard of the halo, which is like if I work at Cisco, people know that I work at Cisco and now they're going to hold me to a higher level of this like, wow, because you know Cisco's big time. But it goes both ways. And so once you can find a double brand halo where the employee looks good by being associated with the employer and the employer looks good because they're associated with the employee, that's when you start to see a personal brand of your employee adding to the bottom line growth of your corporation. Now, that makes sense. So what you're saying at the end of the day, one of the things I extrapolated from that, because you covered a lot of ground there, is that with a little bit of collaboration between executives and the employee force and the workforce, whatever that, whatever their role may be, maybe understanding a little bit more one on how, you know, how they may have some, may want some opportunities to expand on what they're doing, whether that be their career path. I mean, I thought about something that just jumped out at me, which is a dress code, right? A lot of companies have these crazy dress codes. I was guilty of it back in the day. You know, my guys had used to have to come in with shirts and ties. The next business, all of a sudden it was jeans and t-shirts, right? Because I realized that they were going to be a lot more comfortable. They were going to be a lot more like themselves and they weren't putting on an act. And I know there's pros and cons to that. And that's a very simplistic version. But then on the other side of it, like you said, a little bit of coaching and a little bit of an understanding and a middle ground. And all of a sudden that fear should go away on both sides. And it's going to cultivate some really interesting dialogues and content, like you said, mentioned just on social or otherwise, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about, you know, the opportunity that, that, your, that your employees have, it's sort of limited to what they're doing at work. And if you can expand okay. that, and if you can move that outside of the workplace, and, and you can find ways that in their personal life, they're actually excited okay. to bring the company with them, then that's a, that's a pretty powerful tool of extending your reach as a company. Totally agree. Well, listen, you know, we could probably talk about this for hours. I know that you do a lot of keynotes and a lot of training and war workshops in and around this topic of you know, executives building personal brands and how to do that. But let's do a bit of rapid fire on the next couple of questions. Number one is, what's your favorite growth tool or software that you're using to help grow your business today? Post-it notes. <laughs> post-it notes, high tech. I, I literally love post-it notes. I, I will write down things that I know that I need to do, track them, and then crush them once they're done, recycle them. But for me, I love the low-tech solution. I love to see it. Nice. Low-tech. I love it. All right. And what's one book that you've read recently that you'd like to recommend to my audience? You know, I just read Rocket Fuel. Two different people recommended it to me. And I was half and half with it until the very end. I loved the last chapter. But the concept is that in a startup, 
you typically have these different roles. You have a visionary and then you have an implementator. And if you don't know whether you are somebody who's good at implementation or somebody who's good at being a visionary, then you're going to sort of split the difference and you're not going to be good at either. But it actually, it created a whole new spark for me to go back with Leonard and be like, all right, let's really look and define the roles. Where are your strengths? So although I didn't love the book, I love the message, Rocket Fuel. Perfect. Well, listen, before we close it out, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn a little bit more about Influence Tree, and then we'll close it out for today. Sure. Well, in true personal branding form, you can go to ryanfolan.com. And if you yourself, if you do not have your own website with your own name, no matter what position, no matter what company, no matter how high up or how far down you are, you're missing out because the only thing you own online is your own website. So check out ryanfolan.com. And from there, you can check out Influence Tree. You can check out how to book me for speaking. You can check out my courses, all that kind of stuff. From a social media standpoint, I pretty much live on Twitter. Everybody else just gets the, the information sort of as a broadcast. But if you do want to engage, tweeting me is the best way to get me. And then with Influence Tree, you know, it's it gives you the option to do it yourself. But a lot of times people find that if they try to do it themselves, they don't know how to do it. And then that's where we can help them out. So you can see the courses directly at grow.influencetree.com. Or you can take our where do you stand with your brand to kind of see what type of tree you are. <laughs> Everything from a dirt to a bush to a scrub to a general Sherman. And you can take that on our Influence Tree site to see where you stand. Perfect. Well, listen, I'll make sure I include those links in the show notes. Have an awesome day. And I'm sure we'll be chatting again real soon. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks. Adios. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.